No games and no lollipops. Go to Colossians chapter 3. <laughs> now to the children who come up here on Sunday mornings. <laughs> they get lots of candy and sweetness, don't they? <laughs> they are truly being overwhelmed by sweet generosity of taste and see that the Lord is good. We're not talking about that, okay? No games and no lollipops. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Y'all there? He says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Amen. This is such a powerful, revelatory statement from the Holy Spirit. If you, body of Christ, have been raised with Christ... Seek those things which are above. So this is a command from heaven. It's permission from heaven. It's an invitation from heaven to continue to seek Christ who has ascended back into heaven and to seek his kingdom and to believe and know that we've been seated with him, Ephesians 2 says. You have been raised with him when you believed on him and you were born again from above. So the vision is... Set your minds on the things above, not on the things of the earth, right? You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Say, my life is hidden, my life is hidden. with Christ in God. Wow. You have died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. So the whole goal is that Christ is manifesting himself through us every day. Earlier during worship, we sang a part of a song, and I said it again earlier. He's targeting what has you overwhelmed, let Jesus overwhelm it. What's had you overwhelmed, let Jesus overwhelm it. That's being immersed. That's being taken over by God. And allowing him to take over our difficulties, our trials, our tribulations, the tests, the things that you go through in the flesh, your heart, your mind, your will, your emotion, even lethargy, apathy, complacency, slumber, anything that's moving against Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. What is overwhelming you or what is overwhelming, let Jesus overwhelm it. So what's that look like? Okay, so you invite Jesus to come and overwhelm that circumstance, to take it over, take it out, bring truth to it, Bring victory in it. Bring the breakthrough in it. Right? Let him have it. <laughs> Amen. Let Jesus do that. And we know we co-labor with him. Right? We know we co-labor with him. This is amazing to me. It is amazing to me. He could just fight all our battles and just, that would be easy. We prefer that. Where we don't have to get involved in this mess. But he uses our mind, our will, our motion, our hands, our feet, our heart, our whole soul, our whole being. We're in the fight, beloved. We are in the fight. Okay, so God says he wants warriors. 
This is what it looks like. Warriors are those who allow Christ in you, the hope of glory, to have the preeminence. Then you're being led by the Spirit. When Christ, who is your life, appears, of course, you'll appear with him in glory. But he's appearing every moment to our hearts. Amen? So I wanted to read this passage here. Um, Go to John chapter 2. This, uh, verses 13, John 2, verse 13. This is when Jesus comes into the temple. He's about to overwhelm it. Are you ready? It says, now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves, and the money changers doing business. And when he made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold the doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. And then his disciples remembered, I love that, that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Okay, so Holy Spirit's drawing attention to what we're talking about. Jesus came in and took over something that was not supposed to be happening in his father's house. And it was his zeal that did it. And many times you think that he said, my zeal will do this. Well, he did say it in scripture. But the disciples remembered the word of God. That it said, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Has consumed me. Has overwhelmed me. His zeal, his emotion, his fervor, his heat, his passion, his jealous love, yes, truth, invaded the house to cleanse it out from just the marketing that it had become. I mean, I don't know that the the goats and the sheep and the cattle should have been in the house of God. I don't think that there should be these tables where we're selling merchandise there, correct? Correct. But that is an example of what we're talking about here, right? He wants to overwhelm us with his presence, with his wisdom. But we have to be anticipating. We have to be looking. We have to know that Christ in me is the hope of glory. We have to know where he's seated and that we're supposed to set our mind on him and his kingdom and everything that pertains to this. My life is hidden with Christ in God. Amen? So now go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. We're going to start on verse 3. 1 John chapter 2 verse 3. It says, Now by this we know that we love him. 
if we keep his commandments. And he who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Wow. Okay, so hold on. Now, by this we know that we know him. Here's a key. How do you know you know God? How do you know you know Jesus? If you keep his commandments, if you obey his word. That's all through the New Testament. If you obey his word, you keep his commandments. He who says, well, I know him, but you're not being obedient to him is a liar. No, those are not my words. It's either in or out. You either do, you don't. You're all growing. There are times when you're like, I didn't even know there was such a thing as a tithe. I didn't even know I was commanded to heal the sick. I didn't know I was supposed to cast out demons because I didn't know any of that. I just went to church. Sometimes. Right? But to know him is to know his whole work, his whole ministry, his word, his way, his life, his truth. And so it's not just, I obeyed verse 14. It's taking in who he is. And living your life by the highest life. His life is the highest life. And so we choose to live our life by his word through his ongoing communion with you every day. Yes? So now we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, there's that communion. Abide in me, remain in me in my word, and you're going to bear much fruit. John 15, correct? That is, there's fruit that comes from abiding in his presence, being obedient to the Lord every day. So if he tells you to drive around the block and talk to the neighbor at house 153, then go do it. That's abiding and keeping his commandments. Amen? Whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. Because you trust that God's going to show up at that house. If he commands me to go, he's going to give me everything I need to do it. If he commands me to prophesy, he's going to flow through me because I allow him to do it. If I'm going to play the guitar for him, his truth is going to come through those sounds. Yes? In any area of life, I'm abiding and that love is being perfected in us as we obey his word. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought also to walk as he walked. That's a high call. If we say we abide in him, we have been given a command to walk as he walked. Oh, that sounds great. No. He who says he abides in him should walk as he walked. We should walk as he walked. We, the body of Christ, should be walking, talking, living, ministering, abiding, remaining, encountering being filled, being overwhelmed, just as he did. 
when Christ who is your life appears, you'll appear with him in glory. He has appeared now. He's surely glowing inside of us, yes? Okay, now going down to uh, verse 15. My subtitle there in my Bible says, do not love the world. Verse 15, 1 John 2, 15. He says, so do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. So if anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in him. Because we were transported out of that world. We were delivered and saved from the world. We were once lost, right? In darkness and overtaken by the world and the world's systems and all that that involved. We've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and transported into the kingdom of light. Thank you, Jesus. So it's like, why are you still trying to live in love with the world when I took you out of that? Your dwelling place now is heaven. Your dwelling place now is me. Your dwelling place now is my presence. Your dwelling place now is in communion. Don't go thirsting and lusting after the world anymore. That's what he's saying. Do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in him. We miss something. Because as soon as we're born again, our heart starts turning upward unto God. And he just starts transforming us. And he's going to keep doing it until we see him face to face. You're like, oh Lord, how long? (laughs) Well, there you go. Verse 16, he says, for all that is in the world, hear it, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and I'm reading now the Amplified Classic, by the way, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, craving for sensual gratification, and the lust of the eyes, greedy longings of the mind, and the pride of life, which is the assurance in one's own resources or in the stability of earthly things, these do not come from the Father, but are from the world itself. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, craving for sensual gratification. We don't need a definition for flesh 101, do we? The lust of the eyes, that gate, always looking for something more, right? Thou shalt not covet. (laughs) that stuff. Always greedy longings in your mind. The pride of life, the assurance in one's own resources. I got this. That human pride. And don't say you don't have any pride. If you do, we need to pray after service. Okay. It's that pride in every human being that we were born having to do everything ourself. We were born in that separated from God. Of course we're born in the nature of Satan who is the father of all pride. Right? Of course we were. And the Holy Ghost is bringing us out into that. It says now you die. You live now with Christ. You abide now with Holy Ghost. We're going to change you from the inside out. Versus a bunch of don'ts and slapping your finger. It's a whole shift of our mentality and the understanding of what really has happened in us. Right? So we don't need that pride. But when he shows you that area where you're still striving in your own strength, or you're just thinking way too much of yourself than you should, or usually it's just, I got this, and it's all about you. You demand, right? Okay, that stuff right there, he's going to keep working that out of us, isn't he? So no, no, you're the man, king. (laughs) You're the one, Jesus. I can't do this, but you can. So overwhelm me right now and take it. Do what you got to do in me. 
Break me, move me, shape me. Let's get it done so that I can follow you and be like you, right? And do the things that you do. To walk as you walked. Oh my goodness. To walk as you walk. You think that's impossible. Not by the Holy Ghost. It wouldn't be in the word if it wasn't. Okay. Verse 17. It says, And the world passes away and disappears, and with it the forbidden cravings that the passionate desires, the lust of it. But he who does the will of God and carries out his purposes in his life abides and remains forever. The world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So the Holy Spirit is working on getting the world out of us. But we're living in the world. And while we're in the world, he says, you're the light of the world. You're a city set on the hill. I'm not supposed to blend in with it. I'm supposed to glow. (laughs) I'm supposed to have answers. I'm supposed to walk as Christ walked in it. Right? But he said, be of good cheer. In this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. My peace I give to you. Woohoo! Be of good cheer. Woohoo! I'm in the world. I'm overcoming. Hallelujah! <laughs> Comes from the Prince of Peace, who's always laboring to show that we are not alone. And we walk with Him. Right? We serve Him. We walk for Him. But we walk with Him and in Him and through Him. The world will pass away and disappear, and with it, its forbidden cravings, those passionate desires, the lust of it. But he who does the will of God, he who does the will of God, he who does the will of God, whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. Whoever loves and keeps his word, the will of God is going to be accomplished. Whoever loves and keeps his word, the will of God is going to be accomplished. If you love and keep his word, God's will is going to be accomplished in our lives. Wow. He who does the will of God and carries out his purposes in his life abides and remains forever. Hallelujah. Now, that's a great introduction to launch us where we're going. I'm going to talk a little bit. Skip over to Colossians 4. From some of the Apostle Paul's letters to the church and his flock and some of his fellow laborers. And in these chapters, there's a bunch of names that a West Texas girl can't say correctly. So don't judge me for my Greek. Or you can come up here and preach it yourself. So you're going to hear these names from Brandy's speech, dialect, and interpretation. Colossians chapter 4 verse 1. Ready? All right. He says, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, That God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. So we know where where he's writing from. 
that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Verse 5, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Verse 7, Tychius will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Verse 10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, and if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Verse 14, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you've received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Wow. Now, I read that out of the ESV. You can hear, these are the parts of the books that you just kind of read through real fast. Because it's like just the end of the letter. And, and he's just talking about all these people that you don't know and you really don't know anything about them. You can't say their names. And you're trying to do it and get through it, right? So you can go on to the next chapter, which is Thessalonians. Right? And so in here, you hear the apostle in jail, in prison, shepherding, giving counsel, wisdom, instruction, direction, praise, thanksgiving, honor, encouragement, from prison to his people, right? And this is Colossae, okay? I'm just saying. And he's always teaching. He's always encouraging. I encourage you to go through this this week. You could, you could preach a lot of sermons on every point, right? Let Jesus preach a bit to you this week. Continue steadfastly in prayer and be watchful in it with thanksgiving, all right? So just go there. Okay, Lord, instead of I've got to pray, right? At the same time, he's saying, pray for us. Pray for us. You could hear that twofold. Always exhorting the saints to pray and always asking, please pray for us. You've got to pray for your heads. 
You gotta pray for your authorities. You've gotta pray for the leaders, always, yes? To declare what? The mystery of Christ. This is the whole goal, which is what I'm talking about. The whole mystery of Christ, that Christ would be revealed, that Christ would be manifested in all things. Amen? He says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Make the best use of your time. And so he says, be ready in season and out. God's gonna accuse you. You never know where or when. Be ready. He will fill your mouth with the words you need to know. Yes? Constantly working in their daily walk at the grocery store, at the market, or in the temple. It doesn't matter where. And then he goes on and he breaks down all these brothers who are walking with him, who he's raised up, who are serving. He mentions even one that chose to serve him named Demas. And we're going to talk about him in just a minute. In all of these things, he says, see that you fulfill the ministry that you've received in the Lord. To all of these, as you go back and read them all, he has given special instruction for each name. And he's saying, see to it that you fulfill your ministry. You do what God has called you to do in proclaiming Christ, in bringing the revelation knowledge of Christ, of teaching his word, his spirit, his ways, for helping, serving, comforting, healing, delivering, ministering. Amen? There's a lot that's involved there. And he says, remember my chains. Wow. Now, Demas, we're going to talk about that for a minute. Note that in the book of Philemon, verse 1 through 24, Paul said Demas was one of his fellow workers. So he mentioned his name again. And then now, I want you to go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Say, I'm a worker for Christ. <laughs> Versus just going to church, right? The Lord has empowered the saints to do the works of the ministry, to abide in him, remain in his word, and just be obedient. Let the river flow. Whew. All right, 2 Timothy 4, y'all there? Now, this is going to be a wonderful start. He's telling Timothy, his son in the faith, I charge you, therefore, before God. Okay? I charge you, therefore, before God and before the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. That's verse 2. You hear it? So, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. What's he doing? He is bearing witness to the call on Timothy's life. <laughs> he stands before the Ancient of Days and says, You are called. Therefore, I charge you. That power right there. That's the authority of heaven. That's who's speaking. <laughs> I charge you, therefore, before God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. He continues, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. 
endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Wow. Verse 6, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Verse 9, be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Gressens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he's useful to me for ministry. And Tychius I have sent to Ephesus, verse 13, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Trous when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must beware of him because he has greatly resisted our words. Verse 16, and at my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Verse 17, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me. And that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Oniphorus. Aristatus, a state in Corinth. And but Trophimus, I have left in Miletus sick great. <laughs> Do your utmost to come before winter. Eubulus greets you, as well as Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren. I wish we just said all the brethren. <laughs> Farewell. The Lord Jesus Christ says, be with your spirit, and grace be with you. Amen. Wow. Okay, so again, what are you hearing? You're hearing such a charge from prison, and actually, it was not too long after this that he was beheaded, right? He was slaughtered and killed for the faith of Christ. He knew his time was drawing near, and he continued to exhort and build up, and in his letters are just so life-giving. Every sentence is just so revelatory. He's just abiding. He's been, he's laid hold of his mission from Christ to take the gospel to the Gentiles, He's labored with the circumcision. He has healed, raised the dead, cleansed the lepers. He's walked with Christ. He's demonstrated Christ. And he's, stand fast. he's been standing fast in the truth and the word of God. And when they've heard enough, then the devil always tries to imprison him, shut him up, keep him up. And then they gave him some parchment and he wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. Amen. <laughs> okay, and so the word of the Lord will go forth. You hear his heart. The charge, he says in verse 2, convince, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Church, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. 
Because he says there's going to come those that are not going to endure the sound doctrine. I talked on that a few weeks ago. Pure doctrine. Bible. There's going to be several that are going to come and they will not listen to this anymore. They'll go astray from it. Correct? He warns them. He says they'll turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables. We just kind of make it up as we go. But you, he says, you have to be watchful in all things. In what? In all things. He says you've got to endure afflictions. And you have to do the work of the evangelist. You have to do the work. And he says again, fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. Okay? He says, I'm being poured out. You can hear him just saying it. My departure is at hand. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Can you just see him giving glory to God? But this was his part. Jesus didn't do it all for him. Yet he worked through him. But we have to agree with this. We are being poured out like drink offering, right? We know that when the Lord chooses to take us home, glory be to God. But we have to fight the good fight of faith and carry on and do the work. Amen. Amen? Finally, he knows that there's a great crown laid up for him for all of this. And the Lord, the righteous judge, is going to give him that. That's the, the, uh, the judgment seat of Christ where we're all rewarded for the work that we've done. He knows that. He saw that. He wrote about it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Whoo. It's better to go now, Lord, but we got to finish. In verse 9, he says, Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me. Now, he brings him up again, having loved this present world. And what did I read to you out of 1 John? So this was one that he was serving him. This was a disciple. This is one that's growing. And now he has forsaken him. Then he calls out all these other names, and he says that they're still doing the work of the Lord. And at one point, in verse 16, he says, when I had to stand in defense of the gospel, everybody forsook me. I've been there. They're like, see you later, dude. We're checking out right now. All right? All forsook me, he says, but may it not be charged against them. That's Christ. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Amen? Okay, so this is rough stuff. This is some serious persecution. But he gives glory to God. Here's your key. Verse 17, the Lord is faithful. Can you see the glory in this? He says, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. So that that message might be preached fully through me. Fully. The message must be preached fully. That all the Gentiles might hear. What did he say? Did he say all? Did he say all? Well, Lord, I hope you can just save my grandma. He wants to save your grandma. But how much more? Are we really thinking all? All the people on my street, Lord. All the people in my office, Lord. Every one of my grandbabies, Lord. You get the point? This is the heart. This is the heart of Christ. That all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord will deliver me. He knew it from every evil work. And he will preserve him, preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. We are kept by the power of God. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, that all sounds so wonderful. And then all of a sudden, we note Demas. Because this is the warning. This is what it looks like. Having loved the present world, when the apostle John penned by the Spirit, what constantly wars against the house of faith, against humans who've been born again from above, is that world and the things in it. 
having loved this present world, he left. Demas was a fellow laborer with Paul. He forsook Paul at one point in time. We have no scriptural record of what actually happened to him after he got to Thessalonica. Here's the hope. Perhaps he abandoned his love for the present world and started to love the appearing of Christ and began to set his affection on things above. I quoted that to you in Colossians. Perhaps. We don't know. But there's an opportunity that he just left and he never came back. Right? So that's in the Lord's hands. But look at the warning. (laughs) And there's no retirement in the kingdom of God. I say it all the time. It's till death do us part. It's called a covenant. You can't say, well, Jesus, you know, I've hit that 65 right now. So I have fulfilled my ministry. I am done. He's like, no, actually, beloved, you're just getting started. Because you're finally old enough now to listen to me. And get out there and work with some folks. It's taken me 65 years to get you to obey. All right? You say, I'm just getting started. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Amen? (laughs) I'm just saying. Till death do us part. The work may change from one season to another, yet we're always manifesting the kingdom in Christ. We go through seasons in the works of the ministry. I'm not where I was when I first got saved. Neither are you. Right? And so it is how we're following Christ and we obey and fulfill the ministry he has for us. We're always growing. We're always maturing. Okay, so now I'm going to read you something. And by the way, on Sundays mornings, actually Saturday night, Sunday mornings, I don't read emails, texts, or anything else from any people. Okay? Not to be ugly. I'm just guarding my glory there in my mind for what the Lord wants to bring. And so this morning I was like, oh, need to look at the email. There was a reason. So, I'm going to read to you something that Nancy Hadley up here went, uh, sent. She wrote it, and she sent it to the leaders. Okay? So, listen to this. All right? This was recorded on 12 23 She says, the title of this is The Mission. On November 20th, while praying for the garden. What was she doing? For who? Oh, Say us. Mm -hmm. The Lord gave me a vision of the mission of the garden. It consisted of two images. One depicting the garden and the other depicting just the typical church, right? The Lord has continued to speak to me about these differences. So she has two pictures. One is of Navy SEALs in their boats on the ocean. And the other one is of a cruise ship. Who's been on a cruise ship? Raise your hand. Who liked the waves? Raise your hand. Oh, brother. All right. So now you got the Navy SEALs and their hot rod boats, all right, in the ocean, and you got the cruise ship. You got it visualized? All right. So both are in the ocean and accessible to the individuals who are swimming in the waters, which can be very dangerous and even shark infested. However, the mission of each is very different. The Navy SEALs go through intensive training. Think of it as in our apostolic training center so that every man is capable of rescuing and delivering thus every saint is a minister however there is no training required for the passengers of the cruise ship which is more focused on providing a pleasant relaxing ride for all participants the seals operate in small committed teams think of cell groups Whereas passengers on the cruise ship are not necessarily grouped together and they can lose themselves in the anonymity. Anonymity. Really? 
Professor Nancy. This is what I've been living with for 30 years. An important mission of the garden is to equip everyone to be a highly trained, fully engaged member of a rescue team. Whereas the mission of the cruise ship is just to have a successful cruise. Those who are overboard needing rescue would probably call out to the Navy SEALs who are equipped for the rescue. However, once rescued, not all want to become a Navy SEAL. <laughs> just kidding. Many just want to cruise. It's important that we recognize the difference between the missions. It's also very important to appreciate and support the mission of equipping that is flourishing in our ATC and the garden gathering messages. We are bearing much fruit. Amen? Can you hear it? All right? So this gives you a real understanding. This is an Ademus who loved the present world. Okay? That's that contentment with the world and the things of the world. I'm busy. Life. It can take you over, right? But we are all in Christ, and we have a mission to encounter Christ and his glory and reveal that glory to others, correct? We are all called to fulfill the work of the ministry, okay? Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Go to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Say, use me, Lord. <laughs> 1 John 3 verse 7. He says, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. I love it. Just as he is righteous. <laughs> he who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. Sound familiar? Then he says, so for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. That he might destroy the works of the devil. <laughs> wow, Jesus was sent. For God so loved the world, he just didn't float down here as one little sweet rose bush. He came down here and annihilated and destroyed the works of the devil. Went back into Hades and hell, took the keys of hell, death, and the grave after he was raised. I'm just saying, we're talking about a king of glory. This was his mission. If that's his mission, I'm in him and he's in me. Guess what we are charged with? To destroy the works of the devil. And when every saint is equipped and empowered, we are destroying the works of the devil. Do the math, right? <laughs> but some have left me, he says, and gone back, for he loved the present age, the present world. There's your battleground. Just kidding. Especially when it heats up. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. That was the book of Romans. Rome. Okay. <laughs> let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. How do you destroy the works of the devil? Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Do what's good. Think what's good. Act like good. Walk righteously and uprightly in this current age. Romans 12, 17. He says, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Right? It's that whole vengeance is mine, saith the Lord thing. Repay no one evil for evil. Paul turned that around to say, this is the great harm he did to me, but this is what Christ in me is doing. Amen. May it not be charged against him. This is what we're reading here. He wrote the same book. 
Romans 12, 21, he says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And as saints of the most high in Christ's righteousness, we are overcoming evil with good. Right? You don't have to just go down to some dark dungeon in the inner city and just go tearing up something that's dark and creepy. It's our lifestyle to overcome evil with good. It's our lifestyle to walk with him and in him in this present age and know that he is speaking to us today. And what did I tell this? I said, uh, he said, no games and no lollipops. Holy Ghost has got a little bit of humor lately. No games and no lollipops is no cruise ship. It's not a cruise ship. You hear it? But we're in for a ride. So let's stand up. May you have ears to hear what he's saying. Father, for such a time as this, I ask in Jesus' name that you impart spiritual understanding through the words that you're speaking, that eyes would open, ears would open, and the heart would understand. And Lord God, as we devote ourselves to Christ to fulfill the ministry you have imparted to us individually and corporately as your body, we thank you for blessing your people with an abundant amount of revelation of Christ in us, the hope of glory, being revealed through us every day as we continue steadfastly in prayer, in the word, in the administration of the word, and the works of God, as we pray for one another, Lord. We know and we long for your appearing, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for pulling up at the root those things that cause us to go astray in our heart. I pray you bring conviction where it needs to be and grant repentance where it needs to come. And Lord, just pour out more oil where he's like, well done, good and faithful servant. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. This message was brought to you by the Garden Gathering Church, a family of spirit-filled believers in San Angelo, Texas. We long to encounter God's presence and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you'd like to find out more, go to www.thegardenstc.org to realize how the revelation of Jesus Christ can fulfill your mandate in the kingdom of heaven.